A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. He konai purangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Piki mai kake mai and welcome to this Our Changing World podcast from RNZ with me, Alison Balance. We're in Hamilton to talk rubbish with Amanda Valois from Niwa. She's setting up a big citizen science project focusing on plastic pollution in streams. I meet up with her on an intermittently rainy day to find out the scale of the problem and what she's trying to achieve. We're at Donnie Park in Hamilton, and this is a beautiful urban stream here. But because it's an urban stream, it suffers from a lot of rubbish. And before we've even left the street where we've met, oh, yes. we can see the problem. Uh, the stormwater grates here, these catch pits, they collect all the water that runs off of people's driveways and pavement. They also collect all the rubbish that you leave behind or you don't properly dispose of. And so... I see a lot of plastic bottles. I see a rubber glove there and some random ball that is going to eventually make its way to the Waikato River. And that's just in the bit next to my car. Over the road, there's a couple of more plastic bottles. It's incredible. And and this is actually a really nice, you would have thought, tidy suburban street. Yeah, and, and if you asked anyone who lived in these houses, they would say that they recycle, they don't litter. But this has come from somebody's house. Well, let's follow where the water goes and take it from there. So what's your, your research area? So my research is on citizen science and how we can involve communities more in scientific research. And so because plastic is a hot-button topic, my aim in my research right now is to work with communities to come up with a solution to the plastic uh, crisis. Clean up as we walk along. So there is no rubbish bin in this park. Um, I don't know if that's intentional, but because of it, People come and have a nice sit here and look at the river and then leave behind whatever they brought with them. But we almost need to start carrying personal little rubbish bins with us. There she goes again. That was another piece of plastic. So it's a beautiful shaded stream. Lots of native fish in this stream. Lots of kids come here to play. And when you go down to the stream, I'll take you on a little path. You'll see how the rubbish kind of builds up behind these debris dams and behind the rocks and gets trapped there. And that's where, especially the plastics, will break down into smaller plastics called microplastics. And it becomes food for the fish in the stream. Well, this is a good day to be doing it because it is intermittently raining quite heavily on and off. So there is stormwater surging down into all of these urban streams. Yeah, when it rains, I get really excited and I run out with my bucket and see what I can collect. And... You're surprised at what the rain can move. Large pieces of plastic road cones are quite common. Uh, When I work in Wellington, we get road cones a lot. And a good rainstorm can move a road cone pretty far. So I'll bring you down to the stream. So, as I suspected, the rain has brought back with it lots of plastic. Actually, it looks like it's been there for a while. Um, If you look across there, where it reaches the top banks, it leaves behind candy wrappers and... Oh, yes, with the little flood markers. And there's, yeah. a, there's a 
soda can down there as well as a bottle. Yeah, big plastic thing. So it's pretty unsightly, but it's more than just unsightly. Fish often get trapped in these plastic bags. They'll either accidentally swallow them or it'll get wrapped around their bodies. They'll get cut on the cans. Um, if there's nappies around, that's introducing a lot of pathogens and making people sick when they try to swim in a creek. So it's more than just something that doesn't look nice. It's actually quite harmful to the environment. So the bucket you're carrying, is it just for putting your rubbish in? Yeah, I try to bring a, a rubbish bucket with me wherever I go now to pick up what I see. I try to see if I find the same types of rubbish at different sites or if there are certain sites that are characterized by a certain type of rubbish and try to link that to the people that live in the area and the type of waste management they, they have in the area. So as well as the plastic bottles and the cans we've seen, what have you got in your bucket so far? Lots of food wrappers, food products, people having a packet of crisps and then leaving that behind, or a straw, people had a granola bar. So food seems to be the biggest thing. And lots of just random small plastic pieces that have broken off from larger items. Cigarette package. So cigarettes, especially their butts, they're the perfect size to be eaten by something like an eel, and, and they have a lot of toxins in them, so it's something I really try to grab if I see. I mean, as you already alluded to, this is just the big visible rubbish as well, so there's lots of smaller stuff that you and I don't see very easily. Yeah, lots of microplastics and, and small plastics, and what it's hard to get people's attention around is they don't see themselves littering microplastics. So if you ask somebody, do you contribute to microplastic pollution, they would say no, but it's these big pieces of plastic, if they stay in the river long enough or exposed to sun, they break down to microplastics quite quickly. And so everyone, their one piece of plastic they litter suddenly becomes a million pieces of fish food uh, within, you know, six or seven months. So this sampling you're doing, is this what you're doing as the Citizen Science Project? Yeah. So we have the citizen sampling rubbish which includes large pieces of plastic. And then the scientists will go to the sites as well and sample the microplastics so we can get a full picture of all the types of, of plastics and rubbish at a site and how big pieces of plastics break down into little pieces. Have you done that here in Donny Park? I haven't done it in Donny Park yet. So our focal catchment is actually in Wellington at the moment. And uh, where's that? And the Kaifarafara, yeah. The Kaifarafara is perfect because it starts really pristine in Zealandia and then very quickly goes through heavily urbanized and, and very commercial um, catchment. And then by the time it gets to the estuary, it, it's quite a degraded stream. So we like to track how rubbish changes along that gradient. And the nice thing is that Zealandia wants to do a, a sort of hills to sea restoration project on that stream as well. So it would tie in nicely with that. Oh yeah, and their hundred year vision. If we can incorporate, you know, a plastic free catchment into that type of vision, it would it would be the first in the world and really revolutionary. So is it a dirty catchment in terms of rubbish? It is. It is pretty bad. And I think it's because the riverbanks are so steep and people's houses are often facing the back of it so they don't really see that the rubbish immediately kind of falls from the back of their house down this really steep bank and into the stream so right after a rain it's a chocka full of, of rubbish. And lots of microplastics I take it? Oh yeah um, and they have a really good eel community especially in Otari Whitlam's Bush and, and I'm wondering in addition to all the little um, fishies that the eels are eating what type of plastics they might be taking in as well. So once you've quantified some of this plastic and you've quantified the microplastics, what are you going to do with that information? 
So once we know what is there, um, we want to figure out where it's coming from. So is it coming from people littering? Is it coming from the wind blowing, recycling into the water? Or is it coming from wastewater overflows or stormwater pipes? And then once we know what and where, we can begin to stop it. And stopping it can involve lots of different strategies from putting in traps in the stormwater drains to catch the rubbish, um, getting people to bring their own coffee cups if we find out it's a lot of wasted coffee cups, putting something over the recycling bins to stop the rubbish from blowing away. So we need to target our interventions, but we can't do that until we know what is there. Do you have any sense yet? Have you done any of that analysis? From overseas analysis, it's actually artificial turfs and car tires are a huge source of microplastics which is really surprising. I'm not sure how many artificial, you know, fake grass turfs are in the Kaifarafara, but if they are, that could be a, an interesting source. Well, thinking wider in Wellington, there's a massive one in the Civic Square. <laughs> yeah. And does that mean we have to start thinking more about how we design our public spaces if they're contributing plastics to the water? So there's going to be quite a lot to think about. Yeah, it's... it's easy to think about banning bags and microbeads and, and bringing your own straw, but uh, eventually we'll have to think wider about all the different plastic sources and maybe a more efficient ways that we could use plastics because like, I don't think plastics are evil, they have their place, but we need to think about their entire life cycle. And we have to remember that in the five R's, recycling is the last, uh, refuse is actually the first R, so we need to figure out ways to refuse plastic and it might mean not purchasing products that are covered in, in plastic and, and kind of writing to the plastic companies who are packaging things and, and finding a better way to stop it from that, from that first point. Sometimes it's quite little things that can make a big change. So Wellington, the parking meters used to give you plasticised tickets and people would stick them on their dashboard and then Wellington being Wellington, they'd leave them on their dashboard and they'd open the car door and the wind would <laughs> blow it out. And there were plasticised parking tickets everywhere, but they've changed the whole parking system now so people use phones or they just enter the parking space that they're in and so the plasticised tickets don't exist anymore and it's, it's made a significant difference in the rubbish I've seen around my neighbourhood. Yeah, I think technology, you know, we're all sceptical at first about a really overly technical world but it can actually save a lot of waste if we think about how to use technology efficiently to be environmentally friendly. So in terms of the citizen science study, um, what stage are you at and how long do you think it's going to be before you get some results, i.e. get a better understanding of where all that rubbish in the Kaifara Forest stream is coming from? So we're talking with the community groups right now and getting communities on board, figuring out where they think the most rubbish is and what rubbish really concerns them the most. So once we have a good sense of their values and, and how they feel the Kaifara Forest could be better, we're going to choose some sampling sites and start sampling hopefully in about April or May. And by the end of the year, we should have a good sense of where the rubbish is coming from in this catchment. And your project must only be a small part of bigger projects because what these streams are is they're arteries that are feeding all this water and this rubbish down to the coast. Yeah, so inevitably this will end up in the ocean and about 80% of the marine plastics originate on land and are ferried by rivers. And so... It's really not efficient to clean up the ocean. It's quite a big place. And this is where we could be stopping it, is before it gets into the rivers, before it makes its way out to the ocean, so we're not running around on boats trying to, like, sweep plastic up. So how rubbishy is the Kaifara forest? Uh, so down by the estuary mouth, where it's probably at its worst, 
in, a, in about a 10 meter stretch, I found just over 1,500 pieces of rubbish. 1,500 pieces of rubbish. Yeah, that means everything from little tiny fragments of plastic cigarette butts up to large road cones, big drums that people have dropped. So everything upstream had kind of resulted in a, in a big gross pile of debris right before it got to the ocean. And I knew the next rainfall that 1,500 pieces were going to get pushed right out to the ocean. I suppose you could go out and do the sampling on your own, but why are you getting the community involved? For us, it's really important to have the communities involved because the communities are the ones who are going to stop the plastics getting in the streams. And we as individuals are the answer to the plastic pollution crisis we're facing. So when a citizen goes into the stream and collects some rubbish and identifies it and figures out where it comes from, they'll start to think, oh, well, I could change this behavior or change this activity and stop some plastic from getting in. Then they'll tell their neighbors and they'll tell their neighbors. And then suddenly you have a whole community that's working together to fix a problem. And I think our, our problems have to be fixed by the people who, who live, in, live in the area. And, and our communities are pretty much our answer. So I don't want to just do the research in my, in my little laboratory and then go tell them what they need to do. Thanks, Amanda. That's freshwater scientist Amanda Valois from Niwa. I'm Alison Balance, and this Our Changing World podcast from RNZ first aired on the 21st of February 2019. You can find this story and hundreds more at our webpage, rnz.co.nz slash ourchangingworld. We are also freely available as a podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and Radio Public. Our sister podcast, The Kākāpō Files, is keeping up with all the breaking Kākāpō news. These rare, giant, flightless night parrots have a lot going on this summer. Check out the latest offering, Episode 10, Flying Kākāpō Sperm. You can find The Kākāpō Files online at rnz.co.nz slash kākāpō. I am also hosting a new RNZ podcast called Elemental, It's an alphabetical journey through the periodic table of elements with chemistry professor Alan Blackman. You can subscribe to Elemental in all the usual podcast places and find it at rnz.co.nz slash chemistry. I'll post everything on the Our Changing World webpage as well. Stay in touch with us on Facebook and Twitter where we are RNZ Science. Many thanks for your company. Cheerio. Matewa.